So uh, this is a gift to remind you that tonight we are having an ugly sweater party. Uh, we're also going to have Lord's Supper too. That's most important, of course, you know. And uh, we're also going to have a little lesson, brief little lesson. Uh, but then we're going to party hardy. And uh, I love this. And uh, I, have some, I have some lights I'm going to be lit up as well. But this is not going to go very well with my ugly sweater, which means it might go perfectly well with my ugly sweater. So I hope you'll come out with your ugly sweater and we can just be ugly together. If not, that's fine. I still think you're amazing. But right after assembly this morning, if you could help us at least get these chairs stacked in groups of four and moved over there, that would be cool. And uh, we'll set up some tables so that we'll be ready to go. Five o'clock tonight is when we're gonna when we're gonna start gathering together. And uh, when we get a good group, well then we'll go ahead and we'll ask a blessing and eat. And we'll have a, a little uh, a lesson, a little Lord's Supper, and then we'll get down to the party hearty stuff. Okay? Yes. Oh, you want me to turn my mic on? Okay. Sorry about that. There you go. Am I doing better now? Can you hear me? Okay, good. All right. Oh, also, too, uh, there will be no Monday night college age on Monday night. We'll have college age on Friday night, and then we'll party hardy once again. So tis the season to party. You know, I used to do that all the time, but now I, res I hold myself back. I'm temperate, as I was teaching this morning. I only party hardy a couple times a year, so I'll save myself. So anyway, hopeful, if you're a college age, you'll come out Friday night not Monday night. That'd be great. And uh, around 5.45, 6 o'clock would be good. And we might stay late. I'm sorry, we will be staying late, I'm sure. If it's anything like we've done before with the, the games, it gets pretty wild. It almost reminds me of, of, of Cynthia when you play spoons with her. But that's, that's a whole other story, and we're not going there because I don't want to get in too much trouble. Okay. Nothing like that? Well, I've just heard stories and seen scars, but otherwise, you know, I never wasn't really there. Oh, just to remember, uh, except for tonight, I'm in really big trouble. <laughs> I'm really hot up here, too. I'm sorry, what was that? Is that right? Not tonight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, so moving on, I'm really red. Am I really red? I feel like I'm really red. All right, sorry, Cynthia. I just had to do that. It was perfect. So uh, Wednesday night, Sunday nights will be at Tamara's this month, uh, but not tonight. So anyway, are there any other announcements I need to make? Did you give me one? Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Oh, and there's another one. If you came late to the party, which means the party hasn't started yet, so you can still, still show up on time, uh, we have a clipboard with all the goodies that are coming. I can't wait to try this pistachio salad. Oh my goodness, does that sound good or what? And this one, how many have ever had a deviled potato? Raise your hand if you've ever had a deviled potato. How many have not had a deviled potato? They're terrible, don't eat them. I'll take care of them for you. Just don't eat them. I'm serious, that with a name like deviled potato, you don't want it. I'm a sacrificial leader, I'll lay my life down for you. Okay, just so you know. Uh, ladies' Christmas party, the park's home. Tuesday, December 22nd. What? Thursday, Thursday. Did I say Thursday? Thursday, December 22nd. I can't read. Six to eight. Gift exchange. Bring gifts. $300 or more. 
<laughs> no, just kidding. $15 to $20. Appetizers, potluck, dessert potluck should be a great time. And I don't think you're doing spoons, right? No? Okay, then you're safe. So, moving on. Let's grab our Bibles, unless there's someone that has a birthday coming up this week. Are you planning I could. Does anybody want this clipboard? I'll send it this way. Well, just check it out. There's still some slots. Still some slots. There you are. Okay. Well, oh, I took that tie off. Okay, good. I'm safe now. I didn't. Want, I don't want to distract anybody. Okay. So let's grab our Bibles and turn back to Ephesians chapter four. We're going to finish up last week's lesson. Ephesians chapter 4. We got through the first two points, and we want to finish up the last point. And Ephesians 4 embodies all three of those important points. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. So there's really only one Lord. And I love this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Turn there with me. It's really quite an amazing uh, passage of Scripture. And we don't use it very much, but what is being spoken of there is really quite profound. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 down through verse 6. Now, concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there, there is no God but one. For even if there were so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, little g, and many lords, little l, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom, we, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. I love that statement. There's one Lord Jesus Christ. There's one God. And he created us for himself. And we exist through him. And so let us consider that as we would study this morning this uh, passage of scripture. Lord God in heaven, we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that you would help us to recognize once again very quickly what it means that Jesus is Lord and also to, to examine ourselves to see if, in fact, our lives, our words, our deeds actually communicate that Jesus is Lord. And finally, Father, the last point is, is how, does, how does putting Jesus as Lord of our life, each one of us, actually build trust within the body of Christ? Trust that can't be broken, a trust that's rock solid. Father, it's evident, I believe, self-evident, but let us 
be reminded once again, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're looking at the one Lord. You know that Jesus is the one Lord. And the word Lord, as you well know, kurios means supreme leader or owner of your soul. That's what it means. He owns you. And if you think about that, we've never, ever experienced, I don't think any of us have here, experienced slavery. Now, we know, if you know much about what's going on these days, human slavery is worse than it's ever been before. Human slavery. Much worse. And yet, for us here, I don't think any of us have been enslaved as human slavery is happening right now or like what it was happening in days gone by. But the reality is, is that everyone, everyone outside of Christ is a slave to sin, amen? And so you're either going to be owned by the Lord or you're going to be owned by the devil. The devil is going to be your master or the Lord is going to be your master. You say, well, I don't really want to follow the Lord, but I don't want to follow the devil either. Well, humans don't have a choice. We're going to worship and serve somebody. We either worship and serve the Lord or we worship and serve something else, which ultimately behind that is who? Devil. So it's important for us to recognize Jesus is Lord, meaning he is our sovereign. He has the right by ownership and by uh, redeeming us to tell us how to live our lives. Now that sounds terrible. He calls us, he beckons us to live like him and for him. But we always have the choice, don't we? And so the second point here is, when do we know or how do we know that Jesus is the Lord of our lives? Well, it's called self-examination. The Bible says, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Christ's faith, by the way, as we'll talk about next week. But here's the question. How do you know if Jesus is Lord? Well, Jesus said it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? If you do what he says for the reason he says to do it, then he's Lord. And if you do that consistently, you are practicing righteousness. But we also know that there's a lot of folks that say, Lord, Lord, but then actually don't do what he says. That's called what? That's called hypocrisy. That's called why people don't want to come to know the Lord Jesus because they've seen Jesus's people. Like I said, that bumper sticker, Jesus saved me in big bold letters on the bumper sticker and then dot, dot, dot from your people. Well, I hate that bumper sticker because I'm one of those who follow Christ Jesus and I've really worked hard and continue to work hard to grow my faith to live the life he's called me to but I, I understand completely what that bumper sticker is talking about number one reason why people don't want to get involved and you just ask people no, I'm not interested in that well how come well I know and then you dig a little deeper it's something happened to them in the past in a church situation where they were used abused or treated like garbage or judged or whatever. And it's sad. And so we need to move on from there, examine ourselves, 
Are we one of those who says Jesus is Lord, but I, my conversation reveals something different? How I speak to people, how I speak about people, the language I use, the humor I use, do those things manifest either Jesus Christ or do they manifest the world? That's a question you need to ask. If you're examining yourself and it, it doesn't seem to measure up with what we see in the word of God, then there's some work that you and I need to do. I need to work on me and you need to work on you. Now I'll help you if you want me to help you. I'm not going to come in and kick in and say, I'm here to help. I won't do that. And I hope you won't do that to me either. But if you come alongside, we talk a little bit and uh, you want to share, I'll share. I've done that. It's great. Now, what about your conduct? What speaks louder than words? Actions speak louder than words. Because I can talk a good line, but to live it is a lot more difficult. It really is. And so how do we know that Jesus is Lord of our life? Well, Jesus said, you know them by their fruit. If it's a good tree, it's going to produce good fruit. If it's a bad tree, it's going to produce bad fruit. Now, what's the definition of good and bad? In God's word, does it come up to the standard of the life character of Jesus Christ or is it something less? You see, we always need to be growing our faith so we grow in our conduct in Christ-likeness. That really is the transition into the last, the very last uh, part of this, this lesson. How is trust built when we all obey the Lord? If you're striving to obey the Lord perfectly in every word and in every deed, your yes will be yes and your no will be no. Amen? In other words, you'll think a little bit before you make promises. And so you're going to work very hard to fulfill those promises. Well, that's one of many different things, right? But what about, what about my words and my actions being in perfect alignment with what Jesus has called me to be and do? If you're that person, you'll be trusted. You know, the interesting thing is, is what's, what is the core of belief? What's at the core of faith? Trust is. You go back and look at the Greek definition for faith. You look at the Greek de definition for belief. And at the core is trust. So when someone is faithful, they are trustworthy. Uh, my son Andrew just recently had a, uh, a really great Bible study the last time we were together, which was, I think it was last Saturday. Not last week, but the week before. Not yesterday, but the week before. And he goes, do you remember, do you remember my old inductive Bible? I know it's somewhere. And I go, well, I think so. There's a couple of them at the house. One of them's just ratty as I'll get out. But he goes, no, 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 mine was, I didn't do much in it. Just took a few notes and whatnot. And so I found it. Did my research. I dig into all the, I found it. And you know what was really cool? I was going through it, and he didn't mark too much, but one of the verses in Proverbs was, is the man of integrity is a trustworthy man. And he circled the word trustworthy, and he put along next to it, faithful. It's in there. It's pretty cool. See, trustworthy, a trustworthy person is a faithful person. Someone you can trust has proved faithful in their relationship with you and their relationship with the Lord. So I want to take a look at your notes, if you would, really quickly. It says, walking in the newness of life. 
Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What does that say? What shall we say then? Shall we continue sinning so that grace may abound? Sin is selfish behavior. If you're being selfish, can people trust you to put their best interests first? The answer is absolutely you can't. Oh, they might put your interests before their own if down the road they're going to get something for it if they're self-serving. But, but, but the scripture says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound or increase? May it never be. How shall we Christians, and we are Christians, have died to sin? How can we live in it any longer? Or have we forgotten that when we are baptized into Christ, we were what? Baptized into his death. And we were baptized into his burial. And from that, we were raised up to walk in the newness of life. Just as Jesus was raised to life eternal, so we were raised to life eternal to walk in the newness of life. Now, here's the question. What's that newness of life? Is, is becoming a Christian just taking the Old Testament rules and go, we're going to get a whole new set of rules. Is that what it is? A whole new set of rules? These rules Jesus said. These rules Moses said. I like Jesus better. Is that what Old Testament is? It's not that at all. It's a relationship. I want to be faithful to the one who loved me enough to die for me and now lives every moment for me. That's who I want to live for. And so notice... When were you crucified with Christ? When were you buried with Christ? When were you united with him? So that you had the power to walk in the newness of life. Well, we know that was an immersion. That's what the Bible says. I was talking with uh, the preacher uh, over from Alvador here. Uh, I meet up with him uh, once a week uh, in the mornings on, on uh, uh, Thursdays. And we were chatting a little bit. And he made this really cool statement. The statement was right out of Colossians in chapter 2. He says, you know what? A lot of people are baptized, and a lot of people are baptized according to Romans 6, you know, buried with him, raised up with him. But they're taught that it's only a picture of what has happened. But the reality is, if you look at that scripture in Romans 6 and Colossians and chapter 2, we were buried with him in baptism, Colossians 2 says, and raised up with him through our faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. You know what? That completely puts aside it being a picture. We have faith that God is crucifying us at that moment. We have faith that God is raising us, empowering us to walk in the newness of life in that act because that's what God is doing. If you do not believe that, then you just got wet because it's by faith that we are saved. Amen? And so that transitions us right to the next passage of Scripture, Galatians 2.20. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. When was Paul crucified with Christ? Where was Paul crucified with Christ? In Damascus, three days after he was blinded by Jesus Christ, he was baptized and he was baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And the only way you can receive the Holy Spirit is to have your sins washed away. And Ananias said something like this to the Apostle Paul in Damascus, three days after he lost his sight. Why tarriest thou? 
He, he spoke in King James Version. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He said it just like that in King James Version. My point is, Paul had his sins washed away in immersion, and Paul received the Holy Spirit after he came up out of that water grave. That's when it happened. How do we know? That guy was a rabid dog murdering Christians, sees the light, prays his heart out, and then three days later, his, his sins washed away, he receives the Holy Spirit. And what did that rabid dog start to do? He started to go after the devil. He wasn't going after people anymore. He's going after the devil. And he was preaching the gospel. And, and he was preaching the gospel so well, he's confounding the Jews. And the Jews said, we got to shut this guy up. They tried to kill him right then and there. They had to send him down a little basket or a big basket. Man, that's so cool. Look, we need to recognize and understand when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And what did Christ do? He preached and he preached and he preached and he told us to preach by life and deed and word. And so guess what? He preached. Notice he was crucified with Christ. And now he lives a life by the faith of Christ. Why did Jesus go to the cross? It's a great question. I'll tell you next week. Why did he go to the cross? Why did he stop? Well, we can't go into Jerusalem yet. We got to get a donkey in, a, in the foal of a donkey. Whoa, hang on just a second. We can't go into Jerusalem. We're going to mess it all up. He's hanging on the cross. I can't even imagine what, it was, what the horrors of the cross meant. He says, well, I can't die yet. Excuse me, I'm thirsty. Anybody got something to drink like uh, uh, bitter gall? Anybody out there? He actually did that. He knew he wasn't going to breathe his last until that was taken care of. Why? I'll tell you next week. His faith drove him to do. That's the faith that we're called to have, the one faith. And we'll talk about the one baptism. And next week's going to be very short because I'm kind of preaching it right now. We'll just give, we'll give you a few more nuances and details. Finally, we'll take a look. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. I love this one. Let's turn to first. I'm not going to quote it because I don't have it memorized. But it's a good one to memorize. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Great passage of scripture. But if we Christians walk in the light as he, Jesus himself, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'll tell you what, when we walk in the light, as he is himself is in the light, which means holiness, perfection, love, all those things, when we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have dear, sweet, intimate communion with each other. You know, when we walk in the light, when we walk in Jesus Christ, I can be trusted and you can be trusted. I am sad for all the time that I failed you over the many years. And some of you may still hold some of those things in your heart. I'm not saying that you do, but you could. And I could do the same. How is that going to help us to trust each other? 
See, when we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, and we consistently do that, and we're growing, and we see each other growing in walking in the light as he himself is in the light, how does that help us to trust each other? Man, I see the growth in this person. And so I can be a little bit more open, a little bit more open, a little bit more open. See how powerful that is? I'll tell you what, I trust Jesus completely. When I read the Psalms every morning, and I pray that you would start reading the Psalms every morning. I mean, it's a choice. But I hear Jesus almost every single morning when I hear David crying out to God. You know what's really cool is when you hear David crying out to God, you go, I know why he's crying out to God. He's sitting in a stinking cave, and uh, you know who was right outside looking to kill him. And then you think of Jesus, and Jesus is in one of the darkest places in his life in that last couple days of his life when he's on trial and then going to the cross. And he's crying out to God in the garden because he knows who's coming for him. <laughs> you hear Jesus in those Psalms. And then, you know what? This is what happens to me. I look at all the craziness going on in the world and some of the folks, believe it or not, that don't like what I'm doing in regards to helping others and I, I, I feel the pressure. I go, hey, I could pray that same prayer. I could sing that same song. I could think that way and it helps me then look at Jesus. He powered right on through into heaven. I can power right on through into heaven. Walk in the light as he himself is in the light. And if you do, then you'll grow in faithfulness. And what's in the middle, middle of faith? Trust. That's how that works. That's why it's so important that we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. Now, look at your little notes there. It says, Jesus is, Jesus does, Jesus is. And Jesus is. Jesus is pure, perfectly pure. His character, remember? One of the big pillars, one of the great cornerstones of trust is character. Jesus is pure. And in 1 John 3 and, and verse 1 through 3, verse 3, that we are to purify ourselves just as he is pure, and then you're going to walk in the light as he is in the light. And man, if you're absolutely pure in your motives, I can trust you completely. Even when you say something or do something that doesn't jive with my brain, if I know that you're walking in the light as he is in the light and your motives are pure, I can still receive it. I can still embrace it. And I might even go, why'd you say that to me? The motives are pure. And then I go, Oh, yeah, that's probably a good thing to say to me at this moment in my life. You know, if I'm pure and you're pure, we're growing in that, we're not going to be offended if someone comes alongside and says, I'm really concerned about you. Well, I know their motives. Why? Because they're pure. Their character is manifested purity, and I can receive it. And you've heard me tell stories before. Jeff Drillinger's called me out big time. Kirk Parks. Big time. I can receive it from them. Why? It's because they've proved themselves over the years. But there's been some people who've come and gone. I can remember one in particular. You know, man, he consistently would set me up to punch me out. <laughs> so there's a consistent there. I could trust him for one thing. He was setting me up to punch me out. 
And so it's like, okay, where's the trust? There is no trust. See the difference? So character, purity, Jesus does all things well. Man, he never messes up. We were talking about that this morning. He always had the right answer for the right situation. And everybody who was listening, they could hear what they needed to hear from what he said. That just blows me away. Could you imagine that everything that you say when it comes out of your mouth, it helps everybody in the listening audience for where they're at and they're all in different places? How did he do that? Well, he does all things well. You're saying, well, you're asking a lot on that one. Well, notice competence. The second pillar of trust is competence. Jesus is Lord. He's perfectly competent and he does all things well. Can you strive to live like Jesus and consistently do all things well? We are talking about that this morning. Gird your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Or gird your loins. That's a kind of an interesting one. You listen to the lesson. Really? <laughs> gird your loins of your mind for action? That's weird. Uh, but it's, it's true. We just have to dig it, up, dig it out and figure it out. What about this one? Jesus is, number three, Jesus is always the same. Jesus is the same what? Yesterday, today, and he's not changing the rules tomorrow. You can count on him. He's a constant. Now, again, I was sharing something with the, the brethren this morning in Bible class. You know, my mind sometimes goes in weird places when I read the Bible. And it's kind of based upon the old stinking person I was before. Always looking for a loophole. I know you don't do that, but... It's weird when I'm reading the Bible, man, I hear loopholes. There's a loophole there. Okay, well, think about it for just a minute. Jesus uh, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, be unchanging. All right, I'm going to be a rotten scoundrel, and I'm not changing. So, but that's not what it's talking about. Grow in purity. Grow in Christ-likeness and get the convictions, and then be unchanging. So you're going to be a man of integrity, a woman of virtue, no matter what happens. Constant. It doesn't matter what crazy situation you're in, you're not deviating from who Christ is. I didn't say who you are. I said who Christ is, because that's where we need to be. And then finally, Jesus is pure of motives. Pure of motives. Can you do the right thing for the wrong reason? We've talked about that before. We've asked that several times. The answer is always going to be the same. Can you do the right thing for the wrong reason or the wrong motive? Well, of course we can. In fact, humans are pretty good about doing the wrong thing and then trying to find a reason to do it to justify why they did what they did. Look, <laughs> it was the right reason I did that horrible thing. Well, that's kind of messed up. But do the right thing for the right reason. That's so powerful. Well, I'm going to close with this then. We need to walk in the light to see himself as in the light. Let's put it down to flesh and blood. What does it look like? Philippians in chapter 2 in closing. And I'm freaking myself out because I still have 10 minutes. It's not like me. You're going, yes, baby, we're going to get out of here early. I'll see if I can cure that. Okay, Philippians in chapter 2 I think we're going to make it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Very, very well-known passage, and for good reason. Do nothing from selfishness 
Well, you've got a good start right there. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of others. Have this attitude, this mindset or mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Might I share with you that until you empty yourself, self, and take on the character of Christ, you'll never be the man or woman that God created you to be. You don't lose your personality when you become a Christian. You don't lose your personhood when you become a Christian. You don't lose your good looks when you become a Christian. I did, of course. No, I'm just kidding. You don't lose your good. You don't lose anything, but you lose that old stinking man or woman, and you have the power now to become as Christ. You want to build trust? Make sure that Jesus is Lord in every thought and in every word and in every deed. And if that's the case, you'll do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. You'll consider others as more important than yourself because that's what Jesus did. You'll be willing to lay down your life and sacrifice each and every day as we remember about laying down our sacrifice at the Lord's Supper. Then people are going to see who and people are going to hear who and who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who's pure? Who does all things well? Who is that man that's a constant today, yesterday, and forever? It's Jesus Christ. That's who we are called to be in this generation. You may say it's impossible, and I hope you don't, because sometimes I think that way, and that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Because we are called to be pure as he is pure, holy as he is holy, and righteous as he is righteous. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, we do need to build trust in this late hour in human history. The reason we need to build trust is that... <clears throat> when the world falls completely away from you, there really is no one else to trust. Only those who have chosen to live their life like you and for you. Father, I pray that you would help us to see just how important that is. When we talk about the one faith and the one baptism, those really uh, fit very well with what we're talking about. And we need to see how Jesus uh, had faith that led him to the cross, how we have faith that would lead us to be crucified with him so that we then could be those people, faithful and trustworthy. I pray, Father, that you would give us another miracle uh, in my presentation next week. It would be short and to the point, but Father, a point that would be remembered. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's all stand and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Let's try that one again. We have a few or less people because of sickness, so that means the rest of us need to carry their weight. Jesus said to what? Go! Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, there we go. Thank you. Oh, and if we could get all these chairs stacked in groups of four, 
and moved over here, that would be awesome. That would be great. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.